It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. In Lorelei's absence, the rest of you, plus Junie, found yourselves being called upon to fulfil a deal you made the last time you were in the city with one Party Silverhorn, a small-time underworld figure with big-time connections in the form of his daughter, Tali Goldenhorn. After some successful scouting, seduction, and subterfuge, you retrieved the eponymous horns and cleared your debt, only to find yourselves facing a much more difficult challenge. Septiva Sanctuavi, the Egg. Aya and Pima, the Turilli children. Twisted spirits and long-dead gods with powers that match your own. The end of the universe is coming, and while you have some of the pieces, you don't yet know the board. That may soon change, but until it does, you find yourselves with a few precious days to think on your own stories and struggles. High above the great excavated hollow of the Apelton Day... Apelton Dave. <laughs> My favourite NPC! Can I borrow your pen for a second? Need to write that down. A Pelton Dave and a Pelton Steve. Corell's good friend Dave. <laughs> okay, memeing done. Let's go. Leonie, that one can stay. Yeah. <laughs> High above the great excavated hollow of the Apelton Delve at New Analu's heart, Mitchell Crick sits atop a narrow pluine made bar stool and stares out at the busy scaffold clad spires rising from the city's north. The world sways slightly around him as Lasura, the great tree that supports the city's library and knowledge vault, shifts in the wind. Crick, what are you wearing? What are you doing as you sit and wait? Well, I'm wearing my old uh, leather flight jacket that I've had for like several years, ever since I left the um, UEF under uh, less than ideal circumstances. And I, I'm just kind of... Um, taking stock of what the last few years have been like. It's been independent, but it's not been fun. And I am beginning to feel old. And particularly as I see like Junior Space Squad, Schlurp is growing up, has grown up, really. I'm just kind of taking stock of where I am and where I might want to go next. A human figure steps off the woven bridge connecting the building you're in to the greater library structure. It is not Tasha Khalid. Instead, you see a very tall white man with curiously sad eyebrows and a crown of impeccably groomed silver hair. He looks to be a well-preserved 70-something and moves with grace despite the flexible woven floors. He's dressed in a neatly pressed suit with the blue circle of the UEF embroidered on his left breast pocket. He might not be Tasha Khalid, but you do know him. This is Owen Keller, formerly a Captain Owen Keller of the UEF Curiosity. The last time you saw him, his hair still had some colour to it. The last time he saw you, your jacket still had an unscuffed badge on the sleeve. Mitchell Crick, you old fox. It's- <laughs> <laughs> to what you said uh, oh no are you saying crick isn't a fox i mean i'm not disagreeing it's just <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's okay oh dear you're allowed to have fun in this game we're playing for fun shona <sighs> just must be the mind of the worthy kids they like you year old sponge <laughs> Crick, you old fox. It's good to see you. And he strides over and holds a hand out for you to shake. I shake. Is that is that, is that you, Owen? 
You know it is. I mean, unless there's some other handsome chap from the UEF in this Pluine bar. No. No, 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 no. That would be unlikely. Um, what, what, what brings you all the way out here? Well, I've heard a little message in the grapevine from a certain grape in particular, uh, Ms. Khalid. Sue me for not being entirely certain of it when she told me that you're looking back in. To join in the UEF, you mean? Are you? I have been thinking about it, yes, very seriously. I have ha had good reasons for leaving, I think. You don't have to agree with them, it's okay if you don't. I, I, but the more that I've kind of freelanced around the galaxy in the past few years, teamed up with a gang of misfits, all of whom are much younger than me, I don't really feel as if I can do all of this for much longer. I fell face down a puddle on one of our last adventures. That was very embarrassing. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that you start to think, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this kind of thing anymore. And I, Tasha was saying that there aren't really many... He takes a seat opposite you and, like, waggles a finger at the bartender to get them to come over and give him a drink. He orders... Curiously, he orders a Pluine drink, a little fruity thing that comes in a little nut cup. And um, he looks at it curiously and then takes a sip and then looks at you again and says, I completely understand why you left. I do. I do. The whole situation, the way it was played off, it wasn't right. Pinning the blame for the loss of the endeavour on someone who couldn't argue back. Just... But... Mitch. And I think this is the real test of whether you're ready to come back and whether you've healed is I do understand why, but I also understand why they did it. Hmm. Well, why don't you explain that to me? Fine. But you know why I'm here? Because I think that on some level you understand it too. You wouldn't have made captain if you couldn't see the bigger picture. The fleet's flagship, only five years old, destroyed by an Apelton whaler while deep inside what should have been safe space. It would have meant war. Interstellar war, Mitch. Earth was not ready for that kind of heat. It's still not. It might never be. We've joined a galaxy that's hundreds of years ahead of us. And the Araswati would certainly not have thanked us for riling up their neighbours. So, I understand why you left. I understand why you are angry. I have been good at seeing the bigger picture over the years. I also value and do value honesty and also responsibility. And I think one of the things that bothered me the most was not trying to cover up a very severe diplomatic incident, but choosing to blame it on somebody who couldn't answer back or understand. Because had they chosen to blame it on me and explained it to me, I might have understood. But it was a long time ago, and we don't have to argue about something that neither of us can change. I have no intention of arguing with you, Mitch. Just wanted to clear the air. No, no, it's good to, to do that. I... It's possible to be part of an organization that hasn't always made the right call, in my view. Or has made mistakes in pursuit of that, even if the goal was right. Which, you know, I get 
what you're saying. But it's part possible to be part of it and still think it ultimately is good. And I think that sense of belonging and purpose towards a common endeavor has been lacking from my life for a very long time now. And I'd like to feel it again. Not just when, you know, ships come crashing through the atmosphere of a planet and we have to save it. Or there's a battle breaks out at a spaceport and we have to save civilians. I want to feel it every day and know that what I'm doing is important. Sorry, uh, if that doesn't make much sense. Um, I've just kind of been sitting at this bar for a while. Um, that should be your first lecture. What? What? That should be your first lecture. As uh, lecture. <laughs> I came here because I was like, get Mitch back among the roster, get him out in the stars. That's. I don't know if that's the right call either. But you know what I do know. I want someone saying those words to new recruits and old ones. The UEF would be better for listening to what you just said. And he drowns the rest of his drink and stands up and says, I'll, I'll be waiting for your answer back on Earth. And as he turns to go, your communicator dings, Crick. It says Lina Barnes on it. I read it. Hey, Mitch. Smiley face. Fist emoji. I'm just getting out of the shelter Kurgy jump gate. Are you still on for later? Did I text back? Uh, yes. Sunglasses emoji. <laughs> nice. In the back room of Springs and Things, with the familiar sounds of the delve coming muffled through the front shutters... Juniper Zenith Lewis slouches on a battered two-seater couch and flips something small and metallic over her knuckles. It's been five years since you met, but the slow creep of time has done nothing to how you feel when you look at her Faraday. Her freckles, the sloppily layered cut of her hair probably done in the bathroom with a pair of scissors, the sharp darkness of her eyes, they look better with a few strands of silver to frame them, not worse. Never worse. So, um... This is it, then. This is when you go somewhere I can't follow. Are we talking the Empire, or are we talking the the thing that we've not been talking about? I'm talking the thing we've not been talking about. I'm not... I'm not stupid, Faz, and neither are you. I can make this work. This is mine. This is my power. And I am the judge now. And I say no. No to what? No to going on wherever without you. That just no. So how is that going to happen? I don't know. Of course I want this. Of course I want this power that means I can save hundreds of people and I can give them a morning like we had yesterday, which they weren't going to have, where they lie in and have coffee and sit on their, you know, communicators and don't do anything but sit in comfortable silence. Of course I want that. And I want that with you. And I don't understand how I'm supposed to protect you from everything. And protect the world. I don't want to give you a broken world with me in it. Because I didn't go. Or a world that's better that I'm not in. And maybe that's selfish. But I don't know what to do anymore. Faz. This is bigger than us. Yeah, and that's not fair. It's bigger than two people in love. You know what I believe? What? I believe that you'll come back. You're gonna use that power you've discovered and almost killed yourself over to say I don't or I do or whatever. Use it to come back to me. 
I don't... <laughs> Just come home. I will always come back to you. And when this is over, because it will be, we are going to settle down and go to the farmer's market. <laughs> or try the coffee you like, or get that stand blender thing that you desperately want. Because we have worked so hard. I think we deserve a life that's a bit easier than the one we've had now. You are the love of my life. She smiles at you. And then she gives you something small and cold. It's a coin. Smooth at the edges and faded and warm still from her touch. And it just has this adorable idyllic scene stamped on it. Like, you know, like when you go to a fair or a theme park and you have those coins that you stamp. It's like, it's one of those, but it's like a, a scene of a little orchard and a farmhouse. And she says, call me stupid, but I've carried that a long time. Is this what you want? I want you to bring it back. And then we'll see where it goes from there. We can't just go stealing my line. That's not fair. <laughs> and I shrug off my Mednir jacket, which is thoroughly torn and repaired. And I hand it over. I'm like, well, we'll just do an exchange. Ginny stands up and pulls it on, and it is much too short on her. And she says, I always wanted a crop jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good on you, Mrs. Zenith Lewis. Faz. Hmm. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Are you alright, Elle? <laughs> <laughs> of course they're not alright! Are any of us really? That's so gay, guys. That's so gay! It really is. In a preview for this week's episode. That's so gay! <laughs> 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 just, just Jess's, that's so gay, and then me sobbing relentlessly. That's obviously a pretty good summary of a, a chunk of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's so gay, sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very gay, and people cry. People, well, pe yeah, people. L. L. One person L. in particular, <laughs> me. I've cried before yeah. at some point. Yes. That's why I said one person in particular. I, 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 yeah. I've, I've cried occasionally. I haven't cried since we started recording. I cried before. East of New Annaloo, across the wet tear of White Crag Gorge and some 20 minutes deep into the forest beyond, Prisha Chainbreaker rifles through an array of marvellously tiny screwdrivers with her tongue stuck out in concentration. She's sitting at a large white table littered with stacked trays of parts and tools, her fur dirty with grease and her eyes made huge by, like, by the set of magnifying lenses she's wearing over her usual circular glasses. A white canvas shades her from the dappled sunlight streaming in through the trees, and stacked crates offer her a little privacy from the busy movements of the AI Alliance camp just beyond her little workspace. Schlepp! What are you doing in this little scene? Yeah, Shona, it's your turn now. <laughs> I mean, as soon as like in the forest, like, ah, yes, my home. Um, I think I'm like, just kind of sitting, watching and passing tools whenever needed. Should be like a screwdriver, then I'll pass a screwdriver or something like that. It's kind of like when you're like, you know, there's someone you love and you're just kind of watching them do something and you're just so enraptured by it. I think they're just kind of enraptured in that moment and just, they won't help when they can. So they're passing screwdrivers and stuff. I think I'm gonna take a break there. Uh, it's It's been... <sighs> and pushes out her little stool. I thought for a second we'd be able to get some more AI technicians in here, but no, the new Kanzir is just as stupid over AI tech as the old one. I guess these ideas, like, even if it's all different people, like, they still grew up with the people who believed in the old ideas. They could be very tricky to shake. An AI is a thought. That's become a person. And that's amazing. You're incredible, Schlerp. 
I've learned so much from you. Which is impressive considering I'm eight. <laughs> I'm a very accomplished baby. You're not a baby. And she slaps your knee. That's, yeah, sorry. I mean, I fully saw the way you were looking at Jiahu before she... Wait, what? What? No. <laughs> and she like stops i'm not like uh, i don't i don't look at people (laughs) (laughs) i walk around with my eyes closed people i don't look at them (laughs) what's a person i didn't even know (laughs) who's slurp (laughs) (laughs) who's slurp who's slurp i'm synthrid i'm i didn't mean to bring her up i'm sorry but what I was trying to say is, you're not a kid anymore. You're all grown up. All grown up and with a crush. Stop. No, it's cute. It's cute. Slurp, honestly, like, I have eyes and I do look at people. <laughs> unlike you, apparently. I shut I shut my, my screen visor off. <laughs> <laughs> You hear her sigh. <laughs> and then she just goes, She was looking at you too. <laughs> your eyes are still shut up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Commit to the bit. Well, I imagine you jump a little bit when A, someone lands on your back. <laughs> and then B, someone very loudly in your ear in a very different tone of voice just goes, Dr. Silverglass has arrived. Hi, kid. <laughs> <laughs> She's over by the reception tent, I guess it is. We really need to start making actual buildings. Um, I think I I called Prisha. Prisha, do you want to come see Dr. Silverglass? My sister? Um, I'll be there in a while. I really need to get this finished. Prisha, you've literally been working on this for six hours so far. You can take an hour for a break and a walk around. Okay. And yeah, do you set off? Yeah, off towards reception tent. I feel like as you're traveling, um, Nara is your social media manager. Yeah. Right? For synth rhythm. Like, Prisha is your mum, who is really experienced with artificial intelligence and robotics and all of that technical side of stuff. And Nara is the one who's more into social media. I feel like Prisha doesn't understand Novapix <laughs> in the slightest. And as you travel, I think, like, probably a good opportunity for the two of you to kind of make a pl- rough plan for what's going to happen with synth rhythm while you're in the Empire. Yeah, I think I've got like a big backlog of like some recording, like video recordings of songs, um, but then also like some demo tracks, just lots of stuff I haven't really done before. Maybe just like some, a few pictures um, and I kind of like, we're discussing a schedule and just kind of going over brand, brand guidelines. That sounds so weird, but like, you know, tone and voice and all that kind of thing. Just kind of chatting about that. And I feel like you get really deep into that. And so as you round the corner to the, what Nara called it, air quotes, the reception tent, uh, you take a second to realize that the two Araswati's children you suddenly see playing aren't playing on a like playground. They're playing on a Namazir <laughs> who is bent over onto all six limbs to form like a slide with their tail. Good on them. Uh, the Namazir is like cream with peach colored rosettes uh, quite an unusual coloring and one that you recognize uh, this is Noon Tesh's partner and as you realize this is Noon you see Tesh herself standing just next to them watching very fondly <laughs> I think I walk over and I say to Noon so you found a new career as a climbing frame well, the kids are a lot more polite than the old people were about getting tours of uh, the uh, the anvil. So that's good. And then immediately just goes, ow! <laughs> when one of the kids, presumably Jerdy, uh, steps too hard on their tail. And Tesh steps forward and goes, Jerdy! And then turns to you and goes, it's good to see you again. You too. Glad you could make it out here. It's an incredible place. The camp. I've not met everybody yet, but I'm I'm really excited to see how I can help you guys. Preacher and Nara were really good in their emails, and I met Marty. She's great. No, we, no, we love Dr. Bonham around here. I think we're friends now. She invited me to go play something called roller derby. 
But yeah, she seems really great. And she looks around for a second, nervously, and she goes, and the the children were really nice too. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't talked to them much myself, but obviously Lorelei talks to them a lot. And from what I've heard, yeah, sweet kids. They are sweet kids, which begs the question, why are they here? It's such a long story, good God. No, not how did you find them? How did they survive? Why did they survive? That's the important question. Why then? Tesh glances up at Nara and then down at Prisha and then says, Would it be okay if me and Schlurp just talked alone for a second? Schlurp, is that okay? Uh, yeah, sure. And the two of them just move a little ways away and go play with the kids uh, with Noon. And Tesh says, I apologize for bringing this on you so suddenly, but... And she pulls out her comm and projects up a hologram. Oh dear. And it's an itinerary. And at the top it says, Last Will and Testament. Oh god damn it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay, this is cool. <laughs> when you told me that he died, I went looking and I took myself with that looking and Long story short, he left some things behind. Boy, did he. I... I don't think this should all go to me. And... It wouldn't anyway. There is actually some stuff in here that references you. It references me? Yeah. There's only small things, not enough, but... And she scrolls down, and you see at the bottom of that initial set of paragraphs and itemizations, there's 48 bullet points. Oh my god. Each one next to it has a serial number, and some uh, of them have a name. Ah, I see. All my many, many siblings. And she says, some people have some, like, one thing, some have two, some have none, but they're all... You're all listed here. Um, he made it really clear in the documentation that you shouldn't be considered to be part of the inheritance. I just... I wanted to tell you about it. And I wanted to ask you if you wanted your part of it. What do I get? Like a, a plate set or something? No, um... He's listed an address. Where? It, I, I'm not sure because I don't know human addresses very well, but I think this is the code for human space. And then it's EXP. Schlurp would know about the expands, wouldn't they? Schlurp would recognize that code. EXP uh, refers to the Expanse, which is a very large human space station, a little bit renowned for being a place where people go to do work that the Kanzir would forbid. Right. It, you also know because it's the place you were created. Ah, I see. <laughs> and she says, I don't really know what this is, but he wanted you to have it. It's it's the family home. The family home? It's where he made me. She reaches up and takes one of your hands. Come sit down with me and we'll go through it. And we can... Curse the old man. All we want. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to just get through this list and be done. I'm ready to put him behind us. You know that surname, surname he has? Choice giver? Yeah? I'm the one that gave that to him. Because I knew he would fucking hate it. I'm sorry for what he did to you and your siblings. And you don't need to tell me it's okay. Because I don't know if it ever will be. And that's okay. You're allowed to not be okay with him. You're allowed to feel complex things about him. I know I do. Do you want to go see the body he made me? I would like that. 
Um, and we go through the camp. Um, we're kind of probably kind of weaving around, um, saying hi to people on the way. Because Shlub does have friends here. We just never talk about them. <laughs> um, and so we weave through the camp. And then we get to a small clearing. And in that clearing is Shlub's original body, as made by Suresh, that guy. Um, and it's kind of got like plants growing in it, but it's like, it's not just like on the ground or anything. It's like standing up and it's kind of got its hands cupped. Um, kind of like a bird bath, honestly, like there's like a few little birds kind of going there, like very kind of mossy as well. Just very, very Zen, very peaceful vibe going on. And it's probably like a couple other people there as well. Cause it's like, just like nice little central garden area. She looks at it. And then nods. And then she looks up at you and says, I like your new body better. You look like yourself now. I have more fingers. He gave me three thumbs on each hand. Like, look, look, look at the hands. She looks at them and then looks at her own thumbless Araswati hands and just goes, I never wanted to understand him on some level, but in this instance, I do. <laughs> <laughs> The bright pale face of Enka, the gas giant that Rava orbits, fills nearly all of the 20 foot wide window running along the chamber's left side. The incomprehensible vastness of its swirling clouds and storm belts, cut diagonally by the dark necklace of its ring system, is a mesmerizing sight. One that you're not immune to, Lorelei, even after almost a decade of space travel. Laughter jolts you back into the moment. You're on the jellyfish, in a tucked away room of the Lady Zenith's complex, with no fewer than 18 guards standing outside the door. The walls are papered with crayon scribbles of lost worlds and peoples, and the air rings with chirping voices. Aya and Pima, the two Torelli children, are chasing one another in lightning-fast loops. Septiva stands beneath them, hands on her hips, an expression hopelessly fond. Damini is sat beside you watching you, watching them. It's getting to the winter season back on Chorus, and you can see it in the short curling beard she's only, she only grows right before the snows, in the tinkling silver bells she's put on her horns, the horns that you made for her. So, Tali. Um, yes, yeah, um, yes, what, well, uh, yes. She just looks at you. Lorelei's head just sort of retracts into her body, like, oh no, I knew this was coming, but I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, yeah. She is very much still in love with me, and I don't get that from context clues, I get that from, she said those three words to my face. So, what do we do? About Tali? I mean, there's still a lot we don't no, but her feelings for me don't eclipse all that's happened, don't eclipse what is currently happening, so I don't know. I feel like I don't have enough information, and also I'm sort of panicking. She shrugs and says, then we don't have enough information. We have to trust that we'll get some more. Mm, I feel like um, the Empire will bring some answers. To Tali? Fire stuff. God stuff. Hmm. Fire stuff? Yeah. Uh, uh, Lorelei raises her hands and she has them too. Not these ones, but... um. It is why she left, but she's still not telling me everything. But I feel like if I understand what happened last time, then maybe I can help. What I do know is whatever happens the next few months or so, she's gonna be a part of it. Emily nods again. Okay, well, when you've got more information, we'll decide what to do. Lorelei? Uh, yes? 
I'm on your team. Whatever you want to do. If you want to kick her in the nose, I'm on your team. <laughs> if you just want to do mean photo manips of her and put them on Nova pics, saying she's a looks over at the kids beanhead, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm with you, and I'll hold down the fort. Lorelei just looks at her slightly watery-eyed and shuffles over and clings to her like a little koala. Damini folds you into her arms and rests her chin on the top of your head. You can hear, like, feel the rumble of Damini's voice as she speaks and she says, Everything is a lot right now. And I'd be here for you even if your life was way more normal. Or if it was even weirder than it is now. And that mark on your hand turned out to like link you to some kind of have you ever seen the Teletubbies? It's like an Earth classic <laughs> show. I would still be with you even if that mark linked you to one of them cursed demons with the television screens in their stomachs. Uh yes, you I think you showed me the clip with the lion and the bear. Oh, don't talk about the fucking lion and bear. <laughs> Apparently it traumatised an entire generation of British children. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch was talking about it. They learnt about it in school. Wow, it's part of the curriculum? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird what survives. <laughs> I think Lorelei lifts her head up and looks back at the children what if there's another one? <laughs> I s we seem to be collecting children, and I'm not quite sure what to do with that. I don't know. But this is what's called deflecting. <laughs> I know. I'm very good at it. No, you're not. It's incredibly transparent. It's, it's so transparent. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about that mark on your hand. It's connected to an Impelton suitor, which is odd because none of the other gods are of species that are current. So what does that mean? Time travel, I guess? And, and you would get that. Maybe? I don't really know. I got... These, when I picked up the egg, and I took it out of magical stasis, and the other one when I picked up Set Diva and took her out of magical stasis. So that's technically a time thing. So maybe? Maybe, maybe he put them like that. We saw him in a vision, and he went with Septiva, but he wasn't there with her so presumably he went somewhere else to die he was hurt very and it was the end there was nowhere to go and even if he did heal himself up he was after protecting Septiva he was all that was left of everything that was it that was the last place. Well, presumably there must have been some small skittering things that became Araswati and humans and a pelter. But if he died after protecting Septiva, then he was the quite possibly the last thing alive. The last truly sentient, intelligent being alive before there was nothing for thousands of years. You feel Damini tremble slightly and then one of her hands creeps down and she squeezes your hand in hers and she says that's not going to happen to you. I don't think it will either because the thing at the end that did the killing was whatever it is Tali's resonating with and Whilst I don't know everything, and I don't know enough to make the big decisions, 
I know her well enough to think that she wouldn't do that bar her not being her anymore oh god right when this started after the wedding you said there was the big flame thing it felt off you said something about something slurp said it wasn't always like that yeah it was corrupted i guess unless she becomes like that i don't think she would do the things that we have seen then i guess we need to figure out how to save tali goldenhorn even if it means saving her from herself give me her number i'll keep an eye on her for you Deep beneath New Analu, in a circular room bordered by monitoring screens and triangular red lamps, an old Apelton suitor stares through six inches of glass and holds himself very still indeed. Corel, you've been down to Sunset's observation chamber probably many times since her adult molts, but you've never found Uliel just staring like this. He is ever composed, ever watchful but he doesn't seem to have noticed your approach. What do you do? I don't... Yeah, Corel doesn't draw attention to themselves immediately, but they do walk up um, and just sort of quietly, you know, stand a respectful distance from Uliel, but definitely within eye range and just waits to see if they speak. I think long seconds pass. You see the line of his spine shift slightly and you realise that he's noticed you, but it takes longer than it should. And when he starts to speak, he does so with all four eyes still fixed through the glass on Sunset herself. I think Corel's eyes actually follow. I think they're both going to be looking at Sunset during this conversation. She's grown, Corel. She has doubled in size and torn her toys asunder and clawed the walls and floor and glass. And even now she is scratching at the floor on the other side of the chamber, her spines rattling, an almost like unhinged vacant expression on her face. And Uliel says, My mother queen implied to me once that compulsion was what enabled her to become a person rather than a ravenous beast. I worry, I worry, Corel, that with Sunset we are only courting a different kind of dangerous. And yet we need her, just as our kind have always both needed and feared our queens. At least here, when we have some agency in deciding how to, to handle her, other than the previous alternative. The previous alternative. Do you know how queens are raised in the Empire? You know I don't. In the Empire, the lives of queens before they form their first colony are very secret, known only to a few. They are like her at first. Ravenous, dangerous, terrifying. We care for them as best we can, until it grows too dangerous for us to do so. I don't know what happens beyond that point, but I know they get sent away. And one day may return, though most do not. There is, um... A significant mortality rate in queens, then? There must be. I do not know where they would go to otherwise. This is why I am asking you to do what no one else can. And I am sorry, because I know you fear the Empire. And you are not wrong to fear it. But if we are to survive... If Sunset is to truly be our future, we need to know more than what we do now. 
Corel exhales quite deeply. I don't know that I fear the Empire the way I, I used to. But I... I fear compulsion. I don't have to tell you this, Uriah. You probably understand better than anyone. We wouldn't be here otherwise. He shakes his head slightly and then finally looks at you and says, I don't know that I do know better than anyone. I am immune. I think it would be arrogant for me to say that I truly understand what you fear. I know I fear the Empire. I am not too proud to admit that. Though it is a different kind of fear. A different kind of powerlessness. We're not safe anywhere, are we? She reached here where we thought we had finally found some foothold. And if even here... We cannot be as we should be. Walking into the heart of it. That's, that terrified me, not only for myself, but even knowing going forward that home is not secure behind. Even if I succeed in everything, even in the best case scenario, that, that issue lies heavy. I knew... When we left the Empire, that crossing the border did not necessarily mean safety. The border was established a long time ago, and a queen's power grows with age. Anaset, her true age is not known, but she has been a part of the galaxy for thousands of years she is as close to a god a living being can be in some ways a terrible power and a terrible weight too when you go to the empire Corel, i urge you to try to be honest about your fears and about your worries. Your great-grandmother might be more open to listening than you would otherwise think. Is that new information for Corel? Yes, it is. Corel's eyes that have been focused on Sunset still through this conversation do suddenly turn back to give full attention to all y'all. The Empire, Corel is powerful and ancient and terrible, with a bloody history to match. It is like the history of most places in that way. But I know one thing, and that is that four suitors and a couple thousand eggs should not have been able to escape the heart of the Empire not without some help. Just remember that. Corel nods and looks a, a bit pensive for a moment, then reaches into their satchel and pulls out what I'm sure we all would recognize as an explosive device. Wait, what? Which, which one is this, Duncan? Oh wait. my god! Wait a second. Wait, wait. Hang on a gosh darn <laughs> which second Which one is this? Here. It's the it, original one. No, 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 no. Oh my god. His head swivels towards you. I took this last time we went to the Empire. Someone was going to, to kill a lot of queens. I disarmed it, but I thought... Maybe one day I'd bring it back. Do it a little more accurately this time. My thinking about the Empire and the Queen since then has evolved. Clarified, I'd like to think. There was time I thought I hated 
queens fundamentally, that somehow we as a species had to evolve beyond them. That I feel that was a fundamental misunderstanding of what you were trying to teach us. Maybe I picked some Namazier ideas up along the way. It's hard to say. It is the compulsion. That is what is holding our species back. That has to go somehow. Once that's done, of course the queens can have a place. It'll be a place for each of them to choose as the right of each repelter to choose their role in a colony and in our civilization as a whole. Ulial looks down at the bomb and says, Are you giving this to me? Or do you want to keep it for a different target? I don't know. There's a lot of power in this device. I feel it should be put to use some good purpose. Corel, I think that if anyone can make that call, it's likely to be you. And as you kind of look at each other, Sunset hurls herself against the glass and screams. Hey, it's Paige Dolby Evans, your game master, host, and resident dog person. I just wanted to say that the Junket podcast wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife Leonie as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Widewanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. To learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunkitpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunkitpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you can support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunkitpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.